Welcome to the Triathlete Hour. Before we finish out the year, one quick note. We'll be taking a break the next two weeks and we'll be back in January with new episodes. But first, today we're looking back on some of our favorite moments this year from Triathlete Magazine's first ever podcast. We'll start with our very first episode with Olympic and Kona fourth place finisher, Sarah True. Welcome to the first episode of Triathlete Magazine's first ever podcast. I'm Kelly O'Mara, the editor-in-chief of Triathlete. And every week uh, right here on this podcast, we're going to be bringing you a mix of news, a little opinion, and then, you know, an interview from from a star of the sport. And for the first couple of weeks, we're going to have rotating co-hosts as we kind of try and figure out what works, what you guys like, what you don't like. Um, So if you don't like our co-host today, don't tell me. Don't tell her. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Because today we have as our first uh, co-host here, Sarah True. So thank you, Sarah, for, you know, coming and agreeing to my very vague email that was like, I have an idea. Come help me out. You know, thank you for having me. If you don't like me as a a co-host, don't let me know. I'm very (laughs) fragile right now. Kelly's very fragile right now. We only want positive reinforcement. Yes, we are all very fragile right now because actually yes. we were supposed to meet in Boulder, but we're meeting via the internet in the age of social distancing now. Uh, so that might also be why it sounds a little weird. We're testing this all out. Okay, so we didn't stick with that intro music, but Sarah wasn't just our first guest. She was also the first pro athlete we really talked to back at the start of COVID as things were just taking shape. And she talked to us about what it meant to be a pro athlete in this climate. And some of her insights are still spot on nine months later. So you're not going to be making money for a while. And I've been wondering, how is that working in the pro world? Like, what are you guys going to do? How are you making a living? I mean, your husband's also a pro runner. Yeah. So it's not like you have another paycheck to fall back on here. No. So, you know, I think I think regardless of your profession, we're all adjusting to what the world is going to look like in a few months um, and, mm-hmm. and, and probably for the, the next few years. So the realization that... We've had it pretty good. Like, yeah, we will always have sport. I think there's no question about that. We're, regardless of how the economy does, we're always going to have sport. It's a question of uh, how much money is going to be in sport and whether or not people can make a living doing it full time. So that landscape is going to change a lot. The marketing world's going to change a lot. Um and we're realizing that, you know, when when contracts come up for the ends of the year with sponsorship, um, a lot of companies are going to struggle this year and not be able to renew contracts. You know, marketing budgets are going to be slashed. Um, you know, we won't be able to race for six months, probably. We're hoping that, you know, there will be race opportunities uh, probably in the fall. Yeah. But, you know, they're talking about the Olympics being moved, possibly canceled. So all of a sudden, it's just we're very quickly having to realize where we are, um, you know, in the, you know, the social fabric of the economy and our jobs are expendable. Um, and that's that it, we're fortunate to be able to do what we do. So it's at some point we're going to have to get real jobs 
And it's just... It sounds like you're having a whole existential you know, crisis right now. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> to, I, I know I'm not alone. It's... I, I think I've kind of come around where I realize how how fortunate we are to be able to have jobs in sport and to have had years where that's possible, where I think of, you know, I think of somebody who is a new pro this year. Oh yeah. They Uh, are not, they are not going to have a good first year. That is well. And it might, when we get through to next year, it's going to be hard because a lot of these companies Mm -hmm. are really, really going to struggle. So it's, I was able to be a professional athlete during a really fortunate era. Um, And yeah, so I just. uh, Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about that a lot. Pretty heavy. I know. I know. We're like, sorry, guys. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. No, but I, I, I think it is. I think it's important to really. We've realized where where sport stands and sport is there to keep us connected, to keep us healthy, to keep us sane. Um, But, you know, where it is in terms of priorities, like it's okay to realize it's not the center of everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's been like, there was even an article today in the New York times about how running, just running is actually having a boom right now as people like need the sanity. People who haven't run at all, you're allowed to even in lockdown, like even here and stuff where there is a, shelter in place you're allowed to go for exercise still so all of a sudden people it's like the one thing they can do so it's like and running without racing is just getting back to you know running it's it's so yeah i, I am curious i've been thinking about this a lot because you know triathlete is a magazine as well yeah and we have sponsors and we have advertisers and once everyone comes out of their quarantine in two weeks and realizes you know the economy tanked in the meantime like it's yeah. it's gonna be a rough for a little while for sure Now, personally, my favorite moments of the year were the funny tidbits, like when Kona runner-up Ben Hoffman explained to us the concept of the virtual race resume. Um, What I was actually going to say was laughing about that was because to this day, the whole like when you got second at Kona, he was like, see, I could have been second at Kona because that's how people think, right? You're always like comparing yourself to your best. There's an actual thing. I don't know if you're (laughs) familiar with this. It's called virtual resume. And basically, if you've ever beat somebody you immediately assume all of their results. So <laughs> exactly. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? Like, for example, I beat Jan Ferdano in Kona in 2014 when I was second and he was third. So I am like a multiple Kona world champion just because I beat Obviously. him. Obviously, yes. Right. It's, it's pre and post. It doesn't matter. It it's doesn't just like, matter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's the way that it's called virtual resume. So. Right. There you go, guys. Uh, ben Hoffman just gave me permission <laughs> to claim everyone else's results. <laughs> Another favorite, when legend Andy Potts explained the rule about when it's okay to poop yourself during a race. Because you were the 2007-2008, like, triathlete of the year, but you didn't make the team. Right. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so then you kind of moved into long course, right? Like, that's sort of, because you were done with all that. Yeah. Um, so it was like kind of like, as the door was closing with what, was apparent at the time with draft legal, you know, I, I, I kept my toe in it, but mm-hmm. um, like I raced in 09 a little bit. Um, I think I did race in 12, uh, but I, I, I did my first Ironman in 08 mm-hmm. and 
It was great. It was great. It was, and by great, I mean awful and awesome wrapped into one. I feel like I remember a quote from you at the time that this is always whenever ever people ask about Ironman training. I was like, well, Andy Potts once was asked, how's it going? And he said, well, I've shit myself twice. And once it was worth it because I was winning. Oh, okay. So there is a rule. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's happened more than twice, but you're allowed to do it for the W. Right. You're not allowed to do it if the W is just not a, just even like a remote possibility. If if you've got like a sliver of hope for W, maybe you can roll the dice. But if you're just like out of the mix, uh-uh, you should go to that porta john. <laughs> so that's your rule. That's, that's the rule, or guys. The, or the bushes. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a oh, good yeah. rule, actually. It, it you know, like if this is your job, you got to make some sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And Canadian up-and-comer Cody Beals told us about his efforts to address the misconceptions around pro training volume and the funky math involved when people calculate their average training hours. So that was one misconception I dispelled. Um, Another one, I think, is this idea that everyone's training like 30 plus hours a week. (laughs) I put it out there that my two Ironman wins um, and Mont-Tremblant, I trained less than 20 hours uh, average in the 16 weeks leading up to both of them. So I thought that was kind of remarkable. Um, maybe not that exceptional, but if you listen to what other pro athletes are saying, it certainly doesn't sound to be the norm. I, I think people this, that, though. <laughs> yeah, I have this theory that everybody like rounds up when they ask someone asks them about hours. They like count their four-hour ride and their 30-minute coffee break as a five-hour ride, you know? You're, you're spot on. It's, uh, <laughs> the joke is, yeah, your biggest swim week plus your biggest bike week plus your biggest run week. Add your massages and your dog walking and then bump it up 10% for good measure. That's right. your average training rep- representative week. <laughs> It's bogus. It's all bogus. <laughs> Good to know. Okay. And um, the, the... we also got great insight and words of wisdom from some legends this year, including from the many time world champion, Craig Alexander. He shared what advice he would give a young triathlete just starting out now and what he learned over the years. His one big tip, just brace yourself for the bad times because they'll come. Yeah, I think I asked all the questions. It's just around how, structuring a season, okay. um, how to set up, how to set up a training week, and what you learn is there's, there's no real secrets. Like I, I asked a lot of different people, and many of them had one encounter, and there, there's a lot of similarities mm-hmm. in in the the way they set up their training. Um, some differences as well, and that, and that's always going to be the case. I just think we're all different physiologically. We're different. Um, we're different emotionally and mentally. Some people like to race more. Some like to race less. Part of that is a mental thing. Some people like to disappear and just do the training and maybe there's a mystique about them when they turn up in Kona. Others just like to race a lot because that's what they like to do. So they would race a little bit more in their build up to Kona. Um, and what you find out is there's no real right or wrong answers. It's, it's, working out what's right for you. That, that's the big, for me, that's the big takeaway. That's, okay. Everyone thinks there's, there's a big secret. The, the, the secret is unlocking your own way. Um, you know, and that's not trying to palm off the question and not give a, an answer. That, that is the answer. The answer right. is the right way for you might not be the right way for the next guy on the start line who's also a contender and the guy next to him who's also a contender. It's, it's working out what you need emotionally, mentally, and physically, and 
Look, I think from the physical standpoint of the training that's required, everybody knows what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, c- certainly at the higher level, there's there's different sessions and different ways to periodize and build the training that you can progress to and, and that really give you that extra edge. That, that's a fact. But I, th- I think that's the same in anything. Like get, going 90% of the way is often easy. It's that last 10% that can take many, many years and, a lot of expertise. Um, I think that's the same in any sort of skill or undertaking that, you, you know, you often um, get yourself into in life. Get going, you know, you, you're on a steep part of the improvement curve and then all of a sudden you plateau out and you've got to work very hard to get very little incremental improvements. That's just yeah. the way it works. Um, but, yeah, so there's, there's certainly things you, you can help with with your experience. Um, but I just think it's, it's working out. Each athlete needs to work out the kind of training they respond best to and um, being smart and being confident, not not chopping and changing, um, having the confidence to make changes when they're necessary but not not just for the sake of it, mm-hmm. not, not second-guessing, having great people around you who you can bounce ideas off or who can have a look at your program. Um, I always felt that was handy, just getting that sort of validation from other people with really good triathlon IQs. Um, I guess the other part of your question, what what advice? Uh, I, I think the advice it's it's probably universal. Is it's just just be resilient, just ride mm-hmm. out the storms when they come because they're coming. Um, <laughs> it's it's not if they come, it's when they come and how often. Just be resilient. But that I think that's something I brought in to the sport because I came in a little later. Right. Um, I was I was twenty or twenty one years of age. I'd had experiences in other sports where. You know, things didn't go as planned, but mainly it was just because I I probably wasn't as resilient as I should have been. So my only real, um, I guess, motivation coming into triathlon or commitment that I made to myself was just to be more resilient, just batten down the hatches once in a while and, and ride out the storms. And <clears throat> I think that's the advice that I would give anyone. It's just it's going to be a... And you hear people say it all the time, it's a roller coaster, and, and it is. Hopefully it's hopefully it's like the stock market and it's trending up, but there's <laughs> gonna be peaks and you know, there's gonna be peaks and troughs along the way. Um yeah, but if you're in it for the long haul, you've got to ride out the storms and you know. <clears throat> so I, I guess that's the advice I'd give any sort of young yeah. athlete. And um I, I was lucky I sort of had that mindset coming in, but it was right. always it was it was always reinforced to me by everyone. Just, just be tough. Just hang in there. You, can, you can't quit. Um, it's always good to have to have honest evaluation, self evaluation, and, and evaluation by others. Don't take it personally. Um, you know, and that's why you, you you try to get mentors or advisors or people around you who who you respect and who respect you. Because if that's the case, then their advice is always going to be well meaning. It's always going to be from the heart. It's not going to be if, – if it's criticism or, or if it's critiquing, I like that word a little better, it's, it's coming from a good place and it's with the only intention of making you better. And I think if, if it's someone you respect, sometimes some feedback's hard to hear, um, but it always lands better if you know it's coming from a good place. So surround yourself with those people. That would be my advice as well. Surround yourself with good people who, who are knowledgeable and have your best interests at heart because 
you know, when you have those tough conversations, it, their, their message will land a lot better and will um, will infiltrate through your prickly outer exterior and get to a place where you can make some real changes. <laughs> All right. Surround yourself with people who care, who, who are smart, batting down the hatches, wait out the storm, long-term, like long-term view these are all see this is all good advice so So that's what i hope you were able to do this year brace yourself for the storms because they came be resilient and we'll see you again in 2021